and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. Today's topic, ET DNA. That's correct, ET DNA. I got to thinking about this a little bit as I was going through some of the uh, Bigfoot cases over the last couple of weeks, and I heard Les Stroud comment on the fact that there have been multiple uh, DNA samples taken from uh, Bigfoot sighting sites, and they seem to have I'll come back uh, with this notion that they're predominantly human DNA, so therefore it must just be a contaminated, uh, contaminated specimen of, of uh, human DNA. I find that to be really kind of a lazy way of doing things. As we've spoken about, you know, you could take DNA from a banana and find some some common uh, DNA ingredients in there with human DNA. It's that little. You know, I think even with like humans and chimpanzees, they're within a couple percent. It's that little bit that separates us from the primates. It makes us human, I suppose you could say. Or some of us would say that spark of life, that spirit that the Creator puts in us, separates human from animal. Sometimes the animals almost seem better than the humans when you look around the world. That's beside the point. But I was thinking about a couple of cases where there was actually DNA samples from UFO uh, or alien encounter evidence. And one came to mind was with the, the Peter Curry um, event that happened down in Australia. Uh, I think it's Perth, maybe Sydney, but it's in Australia. I have a link uh, to just like a three and a half minute uh, History Channel excerpt there on the website, ufowarning.com. I also have some links to the articles. That's ufowarning.com. It's an easy site to get to. It, it's set up to fit on your phone. I um, highly recommend that you stop by and check it out. You know, I might get three, 300 to 1,000 views a month, but, you know, these these uh, episodes on the podcast are, you know, dragging in three to 5,000 pretty easy. So a lot of people that are listening to the podcast aren't stopping by the website and there's a lot of good material on there. I'd highly recommend that you stop by it. UFOWarning.com. No ads, nothing to look at. Just stop in and you can take a look at the links to the articles, like I said, that we talk about. And the video in particular, there's a short interview there with Mr. Curry. Now, I've covered uh, that incident before, so I won't get too far into it from that perspective. But, the, you know, the, I guess the PG rating of it was... Um, he woke up uh, in his bed with a couple uh, gals in there that he didn't recognize. And they were not quite human. He describes the first female who he says was straddling him, and you can figure out what was going on there, as a very milky-skinned uh, Caucasian female with blonde hair. But her eyes were about two to three times as large as what they should have been. Very blue eyes, he says. And then the second female uh, he described as an Asian uh, female sitting at the end of the bed. Now, uh, the encounter didn't work out so well for him. He kind of got a little bit uh, panicky. I think he says in the interview that he bit one of the females. Uh, long story short, though, he did uh, recover a hair sample from the uh, blonde-haired, I guess you would say humanoid woman, which appears to be a human hybrid. He had this hair sample tested, and I have the link to that article, too, and they show, they, they interview the, the scientist that owns the lab where they tested this thing at. It came back uh, from what they could get as having two uh, different parts of human DNA in it. Two different races, I guess you would say, or people groups. Might be more accurate. 
which according to the scientists doesn't normally happen with DNA. So you come back in general, you have one dominant pupil group that shows up in your DNA sample, regardless of how many different ones you came from. This one came up uh, showing uh, the one the the one uh, ancestry line going back to uh, what they described as Celtic Basque. Now those are the Celtic line living in the Basque region, and that's uh, there in central Spain. You might keep in mind, as my history serves me correct, I believe that um, Caesar and the Romans managed to uh, just pretty much decimate, wipe out, murder most of the Celts in general, and especially those uh, in the Basque region of Spain. That was one of the, Gaul, one of the first areas that they conquered. And its second people group was uh, a an Asian line. I think they described it as Mongoloid Chinese. Very strange. Another really rare uh, people group line. So not only these people groups rare, but that suggests to us that maybe these were old cell lines that they were using, possibly from abductees hundreds if not thousands of years ago. And that's what some people think, is that this DNA suggests that there has been some sort of alien-human hybrid program going on for hundreds if not thousands of years. Quite a scary proposition when you think about it. And I found a couple articles I just thought lent a little bit of interest to this. The first one, just just describing um, the Celts. This is from January 20, or February 27, 2017 from the Irish History and Genealogy. It says the Welsh and Irish Celts have been found to be the Welsh and Irish Celts have been found to be the genetic blood brothers of Basque. Scientists have revealed the gene patterns of the three races passed down through the male line are all strikingly similar, researchers concluded. Basque can trace their roots back to the Stone Age and are one of Europe's most distinct people. Fiercely prior to their ancestry introductions, the research adds to previous studies which have suggested a possible link between Celts and Basque dating back tens of thousands of years. So here we go, back in the you know early to mid-2000s, say, they weren't even sure if uh, Celts and Basque were related, but this DNA shows us that it was, actually. The project started with our trying to assess whether Vikings made an important genetic contribution to the population of Orkney. Professor David Goldstein of University of College London told BBC News. goes on, he says... Uh, he and his colleagues looked at Y chromosomes passed from father to son of Celtic and Norwegian populations. They found them to be quite different. But we also noticed that there's something quite striking about the Celtic populations, and that and that is there's not a lot of genetic variation on the Y chromosome, he said. To try to work out where the Celtic population originally came from, the team from UCL, the University of Oxford, and the University of California at Davis also looked at Basque. On the Y chromosome, the Celtic populations turn out to be statistically indistinguishable from the Basque, Professor Goldstein said. And then he goes on and says, The comparison was made because Basque are thought by most experts to be very similar to the people who lived in Europe before the advent of farming. We conclude that both of these populations are reflecting the pre-farming Europe, he said. So Professor Goldstein's team looked at the genetic profiles of 88 individuals from Anglesey, North Wales, to 146 from Ireland with Irish, Celtic, Irish Gaelic surnames and 50 Basque. We know of no other study that provides direct evidence of a close relationship 
and the paternal heritage of the Basque and the Celtic-speaking population of Britain. The team writes in the Journal Proceedings of the National Academy of Science. Now, they go on then talk a little bit about influence of the Vikings, but this is very interesting. So what we see here is a people group that is very ancient in nature, Celtic Basque. It's a Celtic bloodline which happened to be living there in Basque and showing us that it's a very, very old civilization, pre-farming. Now, they've been there for all those thousands of years, but, the, of course, the group is quite small. Like I said, you know, we had a little thing called uh, the Roman Empire, and they wiped out a lot of the local people around there, displaced them, and colonized it, and built their empire, basically, over, the, over those ancient peoples. So that's what I, really sticks out to me in this DNA sample, that it comes back specifically Celtic Basque, and then, of course, the Chinese Mongoloid, another really rare rare uh, bloodline, a very old, uh, an old, old people group. So, when people, I guess the thing that lights me up on this is, is that it shows us that whatever this thing is, whatever this UFO phenomena is, whatever this, whatever this alien encounter thing is, whatever it is, it's been going on for a long time. And if we assume that this thing's been going on since before since, since pre-agriculture, since prehistoric times, then we can then we can just rule out of hand that these lights in the sky that we are seeing are necessarily, you know, something produced by our own government and nothing else. And that seems like an easy way out to me. When you look at articles like this, this Peter Curry case where they've taken an actual hair sample and they've They've linked it to not one but two. And I remember that scientists said that normally, and I don't think he said he's ever had another case where a hair sample went back and there were two uh, two different people groups that were located on the DNA. He said it's just one. You just, you just inherit one. But this one's two. So that, that in itself tells us that this DNA has been manipulated. Okay, it, It's gone through an unnatural process. For some reasons, it's carrying a second people group. Maybe that's what they have to do in order to bring life to these creatures or whatever these things are. But when you see how specific it is, exactly where this DNA line goes back to, and this happened in 1992, and then here in 2017, you know, a full, what, 15 years later, 20 years later, we have people coming along proving, yeah, those Celtics did live in Basque, sure enough. And this is what and this is what the DNA sample is telling us. Okay, it adds a real level of high strangeness, in my opinion. Now there was another there was another thing about this hair sample that I thought was really odd, and that's the fact that it was translucent. Okay, in some of the Bigfoot cases, and the the, the scientists described this hair as being perfectly clear translucent. He said human hairs aren't that way. Okay. It looked blonde on the woman, I suppose, because maybe the way the light was reflecting. But the scientists, they showed, they showed an actual, you know, picture, photograph of the hair strand. And you can see it's translucent. You can see through it. It's clear. Well, this is, this is something that I found in some of these Bigfoot accounts, too, where when they put the hair under the microscope, it appeared translucent. And I just wanted to take a look at this one article here from, uh, regarding Bigfoot hair, 
July 16, 2018, from Crypto Sightings, it says, Bigfoot hair doesn't play a key role in the cryptoids in the cryptids elusiveness. It says, when it comes to Bigfoot, many factors could potentially play a role in the creature's ability to remain so elusive. Researcher M.K. Davis tackles one of the more interesting aspects of the elusive cryptid, its hair. There are plenty of theories as to the characteristics of the creature's hair and its potential impact. Sasquatch seemingly has the highly developed ability to camouflage itself, and many believe this may be due to its hair. Davis takes a closer look at what he believes to be a sample of hair from a creature and gets some interesting results. It definitely seems possible that the creature would possess such an attribute. Nature often supplies animals with various abilities, often critical to their survival. He goes on and says, Many believe that the hair of Sasquatch is translucent and or hollow in a way that transfers light, giving it a stretch-like ability. Take a look at the new Bigfoot video from M.K. Davis, and you can decide for yourself. It says, if you agree with this conclusion, it is definitely one of the more intriguing aspects of the creature and remains one of the more in-depth topics of debate. And then it has a video listed here. Now, there also are cases where you can actually see the Bigfoot hair under the microscope, and just like the alien hair, it appears to be translucent. So whether this is intentional or just a result of the uh, manipulation of the DNA, one has to wonder. Many people think that these Bigfoot are some sort of alien-human-alien-primate hybrid. And that would explain why you don't find the bodies. And that would explain why people shoot the things and they don't die. And it, it, in the same way that Bigfoot seems to just be able to move in and out uh, interdimensionally, it's kind of what happened with these two females that Mr. Curry found on his bed that night. He woke up and he began to resist them, and they immediately just uh, left. You could say they fleed. They took off right up, right up through the window, roof, whatever, boom, out of there. It's almost as if they were interdimensionally transported. Okay? How that connects to the DNA, to how we perceive the DNA, who knows? But there's something very, very strange going on here. Now, I wanted to look at one... Um, other article here real quickly. Just give me a second to look it up. Uh, regarding this whole um, notion of ET DNA manipulation. Because it's something that I think really doesn't get enough attention. We certainly didn't see anything about it, or at least I didn't, in the recent report from... Um, the, the Pentagon uh, describing what they what they saw as uh, UFO sightings and, and whatnot, but but it it does get to the heart of the matter of why these things might be here. Now this article here is about the possibility of this alien Chinese hybrid, or I guess as we talked about alien uh, Celtic Basque hybrid. It says uh, Nordic alien woman tried to mate with Australian man and dropped her hair on him in 1992. Now, this is concerning the article we just read. And this article is written uh, from uh, November 22, 2020. It says, Peter Corey's case is the first alien abduction where an alien specimen was found on a human body in the DNA test. He was born in Lebanon in 1964 
and in 1973 migrated to Australia, where he and his future wife, Vivian, where he met his future wife, Vivian, in 1981. It says, and the couple married later in 1990. They have two children. Peter's first encounter with the UFO happened when he was only seven years old. It was in the summer of 1971, and he was playing with seven other children when all of them decided to go to a rooftop. As he came there, an egg-shaped UFO was hovering above the other children who were standing like a statue. Now, this is something that we see in these abduction cases a lot. They seem to start targeting these people when they're children. And we can see this with Mr. Curry. So it appears as though his first experience happens when he was seven years old. And of all the other kids, he's picked for whatever reason. It says, after some time gap, all the children found themselves on the ground floor with no memory of the incident. The next encounter happened in February 1988 when Peter and Vivian were in Sydney. That time they saw a strange moving light. But the incident happened later in July. But the incident that happened later in July completely changed Peter's life. It says um, it was around 11 p.m. and Peter was staying with his family. That night, his brother Sam invited him to watch a movie in his room. Peter went to his room and laid on the floor and laid on the bed. But what happened next was completely frightening. As he was laying on the bed. He felt a paralysis in the whole body and could move only his eyes. Quote, my brain was functioning, but I could not do anything physically. I tried to call family members, but I could not focus the words out. At this stage, I started to panic, thinking I could not walk again. I thought I was truly paralyzed. The fear was so extreme. I'm gone. I'm dead. It's real. I was petrified and paralyzed. He says, Peter said he saw three to four. He said he saw three to four foot tall creatures with black wrinkled faces around him. He communicated with the aliens telepathically. He heard them saying that they would not harm him, and even made eye contact with the two of them. Peter even noticed that one alien was male and another female wearing mask. One of them inserted a needle into his head. And he blacked out. Peter described him described him tall and thin as tall and thin, with large black eyes in the golden in a golden yellow suit. After he regained consciousness, he found the creature had also drugged his family members. Further, he thought that only ten minutes had passed, but in reality it was one to two hours. After this, Peter was totally petrified and had no clue what to do next. He had even had surgical marks on his head which could prove his encounter with aliens he had not much knowledge about alien abduction and struggled to understand them it says eventually he understood about the abduction experience jumped into the world of ufology and started and started a group named ufo experience support association he continued helping other victims who claimed to encounter aliens but his personal experiences did not finish on july 23 1992 he came home after dropping off his wife at the train station. It was around 7 a.m. and he was not feeling very well as he had gone as he had got head injuries during an assault at the job site. So he decided to go to bed and get some sleep. Peter felt something slight something alighting on his bed. As he got up he was shocked to see 
two strange naked women kneeling near his bed. He described one had an appearance of a Nordic with an elongated face, big blue eyes, and a sharply pointed chin. Another one looked like an Asian. And then has a couple pictures of him here that his, I suppose, there's artist renditions. Although no normal communication occurred, the Nordic woman seemed to be in charge, and Curry got the impression she was giving the Asian-looking woman some sort of instruction. It says, she was six feet tall and very strong. She tried to copulate with Peter by pulling him toward her breast, but he resisted and even bit her, which made him cough. Sometime later, he looked up again, and both women had vanished. The coughing stimulated him to go to the bathroom to drink water. After that, he tried to urinate and found a blonde hair on his genitals that the Nordic, of that Nordic alien woman. She kept the hair... He kept the hair in the plastic bag with a seal. Peter <clears throat> refrained himself telling about it to Vivian for two weeks, although she had been very supportive of him for the 1988 abduction. In 1996, Harvard psychiatrist John Mack did a hypnotic regression on Peter to understand what had happened to him in 1988. Under hypnosis, Peter said he was taken to a room full of lights, he was on the table with one creature above him, but could not find out more than that. Because of the bizarre and controversial nature of the 1992 episode, Peter was more comfortable describing his 1988 experience. Because of the 1988 and 1992 experiences, Peter's case was widely discussed and came into the knowledge of UFO researcher Bill Chalkard. He began an investigation into the case and did the world's first PCR Polymer chain reaction DNA test on the hair sample. Wow. The test results showed that the hair was biologically close to human genetic, but came from an unusual human race, probably a rare Chinese mongoloid type. Yeah, they, they kind of leave out the part there about the Celtic bass. It's important to remember that there were two different races of people that were brought up to this hair sample. You have the Celtic bass, they took from one part of the hair sample, and then you had the Chinese mongoloid from the other side. It's not how hair works. Typically a person has one and only one people group that can be located on that hair strand. Very strange. Now, the whole case is a little bit weird. You can read more about it by going to um, the website ufowarning.com. I have links there to the, to the to the video talking about it, and also to the articles we covered here. I think what I really take away from this is the fact that the hair sample was so unique. It was not a, a human hair sample. They said yes, of course, the DNA was similar to human, but not exactly what you would expect from a human. So something's been tweaked there. Secondly, the hair sample shows that it that it's made up of two distinct people groups. A very old, very old ancient people groups, okay? The Celtic Basque and then the Mongoloid Chinese. So extremely super rare. Where would this guy had, you know, think about this. If this guy would have went out and met some gal at a bar, say someone came to his house, what are the odds or is he even going to find somebody that would be that one person in six billion that has those two people groups recorded in their hair sample. When we know, first off, it's normal to record one, not two. But in this case, they didn't just record any two, any two uh, people groups. They re recorded two, 
extremely rare people groups. Not just Celtic, okay? Well, it'd be rare enough. But Celtic Basque from that specific region, that little enclave there in Spain. Think about that. Maybe, I don't know, maybe, what, 100,000 people? They're the folks that you hear about that are constantly having trouble with the Spanish because they're trying so hard to preserve their culture. Must be something really special about those guys. They have a very unique culture, by the way, if you take a look at it. Very interesting. So what would be the odds that Mr. Curry would even know somebody from this region that would have been at his house that he could have got that hair from? Oh, and that person also had Chinese heritage. And that heritage just happened to show up in that hair sample, which the scientist tells us it never does. You've got one people group shows up. That's it. Not two. One. So that tells me that this thing, whatever it is, was likely, was likely mutated, was likely designed somehow. It was manipulated. That's what I see from this. The next thing I find interesting about this article was the similarities with the Bigfoot. And you can find some more articles on this. Where and Just type in Bigfoot translucent hair and you'll find these hair samples that are coming up repeatedly that are translucent. Unlike humans, just like this hair sample was, translucent, clear. It just, it just starts, to, it starts to raise red flags of what's going on here? What are we seeing? This is not normal. And these are the sort of questions that I think that should be asked of anytime we have a discussion about, anytime that we have an adult discussion about the UFO phenomena or the alien phenomena, these are the kind of things that we should be talking about. You know, what is going on with this whole alien ET DNA thing? What, what, are, what, what are they here for? If, if we come to the conclusion that possibly there is some sort of alien-human hybrid program going on, that would explain some things. It might explain some of the stuff that's going on with the cattle mutilation. It might explain some of these uh, really tragic missing persons cases that Davis Blight is talking about. I was listening to this program the other day, and, and just the absolute stonewalling that he gets from the Park Service Department, trying to find little kids and stuff. The way it's just like a it's like a conspiracy to cover up, and the more you get into the stuff, the more it looks like uh, these UFO phenomena. It's not it's not some creation of the deep state. It's the deep state in collusion with something much bigger than themselves. It's as if maybe whatever's driving these mutilations, these missing peoples, these uh, these human alien hybrid programs. Whatever, whatever entity's driving this, it's like it's like they're the ones running the show, and maybe this deep state operation is like the straw boss, you know, trying to trying to trying to bring us into a situation of slavery and ignorance. And that's what it seems like every time one of these articles comes out that really approaches the subject scientifically. Like this, where you're taking hair samples, whether it's from what somebody thinks is a Bigfoot or, or an alien or whatever, and it's amazing to me how the results just seem to be uh, ignored. This is huge, huge news. I, I think this this Peter Corey story right here deserves a lot more attention than it's gotten. I mean, what do people people go to prison for life on DNA evidence? Sometimes, sometimes they face a death sentence. But yet when we have clear DNA evidence, 
clear DNA evidence in these alien cases or these Bigfoot cases, um, the public just seems to pass it off as nothing. That's why I say you have to make up your own mind. You have to do your own research. You have to give your own disclosure to yourself and not depend on somebody else. Until next time, this is UFO Warning. Over and out.